0: You're listening to Spice Radio 12ner AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Margareta Dovgau, Managing Director at Resource Works Society. And this week we're talking about how two and a half years after disastrous fire in Lytton, construction to rebuild has just begun. Here's what it says about our ability to build things for a more resilient future. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm so pleased to be here. Good morning, my Karen. Good morning. Now, Margaret, let's kick off with the news from Lytton. Get us up to speed. What happened there in the summer of 2021?
1: Yeah, many British Columbians will recognize the name Lytton uh, because there was uh, unfortunately an incredibly large fire that consumed vast waves of the town during BC's historic 2021 heat dome. And uh, I remember just you know here in Vancouver, I was traveling a little bit throughout the province uh, during exactly that week. Uh, Just facing an unprecedented level of heat, I think, you know, hitting 52 degrees in the Fraser Canyon area. Um, and unfortunately, that's uh, combined with what I think people believe to have been uh, sparks from a passing train. Uh, and the town caught fire. That's had a catastrophic impact on people's lives and well-being. Local First Nations were affected. And I think in a way, it was very emblematic of emblematic of this Widespread and growing fear and anxiety about the impacts of climate change. Uh, you know, over the last couple of summers, we've been seeing unprecedented uh, heat records being uh, reached all over the world. Uh, British Columbia certainly has seen this. We've seen wildfires in many places, um, and I think, in a sense, this story—given I think it was just a couple of minutes uh, before the, the fire had burned quite a bit of that town—really uh, caught people's attention. Um, we're talking a lot, as we should be, about. Uh, not just the risks to infrastructure and people's livelihoods, but also the risks to their lives. Uh, as things get hotter, we're seeing increases in heat-related illnesses, even deaths. Uh, people who are uh, suffering with health issues, seniors, are especially vulnerable to this. And uh, across society, there, there was a response to what happened in Lytton. Uh, the corporate uh, sector responded, uh, local uh, Surrey company, Till Jones, actually made a believe a sizable donation to support the rebuild effort but here we are two and a half years later and construction has just gotten rolling uh the first permit for the first building to rebuild in the town of has just been issued and uh, i think that says a lot
0: what do you think explains the long delay in the rebuild
1: well it's a small town And, you know, to be clear, when when you're in a small community that has been affected by a substantial natural disaster, everything is going to get more difficult. And, you know, disproportionately negative, catastrophic things have a habit of hitting small communities who have less capacity to deal with these issues in a disproportionate way. Um, So I certainly don't want to blame anyone there in the town. Uh, There's been a lot of public interest and attention, and I think, you know, being sympathetic and acknowledging just the catastrophic impacts that that's having um, is, is really important. But the reality is that things move very slowly in Canada, even in the best of times. And we see this in all the kinds of things we need to be building. Uh, you know, we need homes uh, for a growing population right here in Metro Vancouver. We're nowhere near to building at the pace that we need to be to meet that demand. We need new hospitals. You know, Surrey is a good example of this. Uh, population growth is very clearly eclipsing our ability to build. And, you know, it, it hasn't been very long since a new hospital was built. Uh, but once again, I'm hearing about long delays, gaps in infrastructure, and residents are being left behind. Uh, I just saw the news the other day that um, the ability for the city hospital to deal with a massive heart attack is seriously constrained. Uh, and that just comes down to just shortages and, you know, inadequate infrastructure. Um, I think the essential lesson here is that it doesn't have to be this way. The pandemic... I think was a good and, you know, unfortunately necessary demonstration of the world's ability as a whole to adapt rapidly to new urgent plans. And Canada, Canadians did a good job. We rapidly changed how we dealt with this unexpected threat. Uh, so we can and we should do better overall on the pace at which we make necessary investments in the things that we need more of, whether that's R&D for a vaccine that leads to save lives, whether that's new infrastructure ensure we're more resilient to the reality of climate change or whether it's um, efforts to help communities affected by disaster rebuild and I think all of the issues we're having should signal that Houston or rather Victoria we've got a problem Uh, disaster response uh, supporting local communities is just going to get more and more important as we go and of course the summer was another example of this Uh, many regions across the province were hit Uh, by many wildfires. Okanagan, in particular, towards the end of the summer. And even now, local residents, businesses, core industries and their supply chains are still recovering. And we are definitely going to be facing more such events in the future.
0: And speaking of extreme climate-related events, a drought is currently affecting northeastern BC. What effect is it having, and how can the impact be managed?
1: Well, the Peace region is important for a variety of really, really critical reasons. Uh, in addition to just, you know, being a stunning country, it is home to a sizable chunk of our most productive economic activity, uh, natural gas production, uh, as well as agriculture, and of course, hydroelectricity. And right now, the Site C dam is being built there. It's adding to existing dams along the Peace River. And in fact, we rely on generation along that massive, massive waterway, which stretches all the way through uh, multiple provinces and lets out uh, in the north of uh, our big, fast country, Um, we rely on it to quite literally power the province. Um, So the drought, you know, reduces the amount of water that you have uh, flowing through these dams that produce hydroelectric power. Um, And that has really exacerbated this existing crisis that we have, where our existing energy generating capacity is not meeting our needs. And we're importing. So this year, we actually on the net imported more from the United States um, than we produced. Um, sorry, we, we had to import to, to, to keep up with um, uh, gaps in production. Um, so that fundamental reality, I think, just underscores how critically we need to be thinking about how we're going to power, how we're going to enable, and really how we're going to pay for a growing population, an economy that needs to keep pace with the demands of its growing population, and many of the other priorities and challenges that we have. Um, I think we need to be looking at more types of electricity generation. Uh, Certain commentators have been pointing to potentially natural gas as an option. I'd like to see us consider that in addition to other types of things that B.C. has an ability to do. Uh, Let's open the conversation about nuclear. We have a moratorium on it. It doesn't make sense for the modern era with the technology that's in place. We need more electricity on the grid. We also need to build more energy export infrastructure so we can help the world and our allies meet their needs for energy just across the board. Uh, So I think it's a chance for us to consider in light of all of the things that have been happening in the last few years, what we could be doing better to meet the needs of tomorrow.
0: And finally, where do you think the opportunity for greater resilience and security is for BC? How do we get there?
1: It's just time for us to, frankly, get better at building things, big things especially. And, you know, Lytton's an example. Uh, As I said, recovering from a devastating crisis isn't easy for a small community, but as it relates to the structural issues that this example underscores, and, again, you know, delays in permitting, issues getting the human capital together to evaluate the many moving, complex constituent parts of building something, these are issues that we see in every single sector that has to put shovels on the ground, people uh, in hard hats and boots on the ground to, to get to work to build something. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. In the city of Vancouver, if you're doing a kitchen renovation, you may need to hire an arborist to ensure you're not affecting local trees. Uh, you know, we have examples of unnecessary red tape, over-regulation, complexes, bureaucracy. uh, And that's really exacerbated when there is a labor shortage. There's constraints on our ability to get that human capital on board to meet the demands of moving things through complex, highly irregular and uncertain processes. Uh, and that's true for very large things like LNG export terminals, which, you know, we should be building much more quickly uh, if we for anything like uh, the other countries in the world uh, who have, uh, like Canada does, some of these reserves and uh, are seeing this demand uh, around the world for this product. But, you know, it's, it's taken us essentially a decade to get our first major LNG export terminal to near completion. Um, so just on every dimension that I look at in the course of the research that we lead at ResourceWorks, it is apparent to me that, we have something we need to rapidly resolve. There's just no room left for milk toast lines or defenses of the non-functional status quo. We need to get building. Let's get more homes. Let's get more health care. Let's get more resilient infrastructure so we can actually ensure our adaptation to a changing climate and more productive economic infrastructure. So we can afford all of these things that we desperately need. The opportunity is here. I really don't want to see things getting much, much worse before we suddenly feel, oh, yeah, maybe we should have done something about it. Uh, That's been our status quo approach. I think the time for that is certainly gone, and we need to get serious about the demands of the future. So, you know, the last uh, last couple of months we've been talking to ResourceWorks about uh, what this is going to mean for uh, British Columbia as it relates to energy. Uh, energy generation for domestic consumption, energy production to meet global needs. We're going to continue that conversation over the next few months, but, you know, you'll find me here chatting about uh, all the other constituent parts, uh, whether that's housing, healthcare, you know, transportation infrastructure, and all the kinds of things we need to do to ensure that British Columbians have a high quality of life, have a secure, prosperous future, as the world changes rapidly.
0: Mm -hmm. certainly a very important conversation and margaret thank you so much for your time as always and have a wonderful holiday season
1: you too happy holidays merry christmas and happy new year talk to you soon
0: thanks chat soon